not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge, the best show on the air to deal with the Affordable Care Act, healthcare reform, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, we're here to talk about it. And before the break, we talked about uh, a whole lot of stuff that was going to come up in this segment. We're talking about uh, Nurses Unite and how we support nurses in this on, on our show and how we support all kinds of different health care uh, platforms and plans on our show. And I will tell you, I uh, myself have lots of friends who are nurses, and if you are a nurse, I support what you do. You are a godsend to patients all over our country, and they uh, should definitely support you in every way, shape, or form. And the reason I bring this up, uh, earlier this week on The View, uh, several uh, of the hosts there mocked Miss Colorado uh, for her discussion on uh, what she does with patients with Alzheimer's and dementia. And I will tell you what, I have seen patients who have those two diseases. And my own personal experiences, having seen my wife's grandmother have those two diseases. And I will tell you what, I have the utmost respect for any nurse who is going to take care of patients with those two items, Alzheimer's and dementia. These type of patients lose their bodily functions. They lose all sense of who they are and who their family is. And sometimes they need to be given their food. They need to have people help them get dressed, have them live day to day. And these nurses do that. And they are nurses of the utmost moral character. And I respect each and every one of them. So from me to all the nurses around here, thank you for what you do on a daily basis. And again, it is sad that we have to yet again knock down media and entertain so-called entertainers for going out of their way to mock people who do hard work on a daily basis. Health equity is essential to measure and improve population health. Now, what is this talking about? This is a story from Fierce Healthcare, one of the best news sources that I use on a daily basis to talk about 
health care reform. And if you're looking for another source, modernhealthcare.com is another great source. But this story really caught my attention because it is something that we have talked about time and time again on this show, health equity being essential to measure and improve population health. We have friends in Columbus, Ohio with Wellness Innovations who work with companies and individuals to provide uh, wellness incentives and wellness plans to their patient, to their to the customers, to those employees. You might be scared of health equity and population health management, but the way we achieve population health management is by using one of 165,000 different apps that deal with health care, taking care of ourselves, like MyFitnessPal or your Fitbit. I saw a story earlier this week, it was quite interesting, that we had over 165,000 different apps to deal with health, and you could name one, and I am sure that there is an app for it. In fact, there's like five apps, including MyFitnessPal, that take over 50% of the downloads in the healthcare app industry. If you are looking for a avenue to make money, maybe app development for healthcare is <laughs> something that you should look into. See, even as the Affordable Care Act strives to make quality health care available to everyone, disparities remain for people who are not in low income brackets or who are in low income brackets or who live in areas where these services are not ready available. Now let's go back to what we were talking about in the last segment. We talked about Medicaid expansion in the last segment. A lot of services aren't readily available in some of those areas, you know. Cardiac, uh, major cardiac, cardiac surgery may not be available at a hospital in uh, Seward. It may not be available at a hospital in Brainerd, but it's available very readily in Omaha. But if you've killed off that hospital in Brainerd and Seward, as examples, you're not going to you're you're going to lose those gap, or you're going to create gaps in healthcare coverage and health care uh, delivery for those patients. So population health is difficult to measure and the results of improving initiatives are hard to quantify across the social, racial, and economic boundaries. But also think about this. It's important to find an appropriate measure because poor health in some groups threaten the health of all groups. Now what does that mean? Poor health in some groups threaten the health of all groups. That's a pretty damning statement if you ask me because when you're talking about health care in urban Omaha and the traumas and different things, we see readmissions in north from North Omaha and South Omaha are very high because, you know, they're, they're often poor. They're often sicker, and that threatens the health of all groups. That also threatens the health care costs for all groups. You know, hospitals are making efforts to close these gaps, you know, to reduce, you know, to reduce health care disparities in, say, Detroit, 
Henry Ford collects information about race, ethnicity, and language on 80% of its patients. Since patients in the area are culturally diverse and 60, language are, 60 different languages are spoken in the community, well, we got to have a diverse staff who can handle the different language needs of the community. And if you are here in Omaha, there's over 100 different languages spoken in the Omaha region. Didn't, did you know that? There are over 100 different languages spoken in the Omaha metropolitan area. So that's a little bit about health equity. Another thing is healthcare leaders say stage three meaningful use requirements could jeopardize Medicaid, Medicare doc payment rules. Now, most of you may not be experienced or know what meaningful use is, and meaningful use is how do you use a medical record uh, to create quality care? How do you use it in the way uh, that the HHS has defined meaningful use as? And there's different stages uh, to deliver dollars and rules uh, back to uh the, the states and to healthcare providers. Stage three, meaning uh, of state, there, so stage three healthcare uh, meaningful use rules uh, are being uh, Senator Lamar Alexander out of Tennessee is uh, running a bill to harmonize those rules recently uh, along with the recently passed doc fix to the Medicare program. And as most of the, our listeners are aware, Medicare constantly goes under doc fix to actually make sure doctors don't lose money on Medicare. I could talk all day about this uh, part of Medicare because it's one of the most controversial because every year we talk about it. And since the doc fix got passed, it's out of step with the meaningful use rules. So yet again, government screws things up and now they have to go back and try and fix it. So Lamar Alexander has written a bill delaying meaningful use uh, stage three, uh, trying to push it back to 2019 or later. He went on to say, I believe that stage three requirements should be phased in at a rate that reflects how successful meaningful use program is being implemented. The medical, the American Medical Association also said uh, the delay is necessary because meaningful use was developed prior to and without consideration of the changes enacted by the Medicare Access and Chip Reauthorization Act. Yet again, folks, Congress does not take into account other legislation passed, and how it impacts this legislation. We have a problem in this country with Congress trying to fix something and then breaking it and then trying to fix it again and making it even worse. Maybe it's time we find new leaders. Maybe it's time that we look at this presidential election cycle and I know Sean talked about how he thought some of the questions were pigeonholing, uh, pigeonholing the, the Republicans on the stage and how it was pretty interesting. Uh, 
I watched all three hours of the debate, and I have my own opinions about who won the debate, and I think Carly Fiorina stood out among everybody. Scott Walker kind of hid in the shadows and is whining about how much access he had on the air. And in three hours, he had over eight minutes of discussion, and he couldn't actually talk about very much in that eight minutes. And I'm a, I like Scott Walker, but I think it was very disappointing, his showing uh, at that debate. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I don't know who's going to win that election, but they better start talking about health care, and they better start coming up with some plans to fix it. I am sick and tired of candidates talking about repeal and replace. Start talking. Why don't you come up with a plan? You know, instead of talking about repeal and replace, let's have a plan on health care. We're going to go to the break, and when we come back, Sean is going to uh, step back in uh, with segment four and what Edie Bellis is doing for the Affordable Care Act reporting requirements. We'll be back right after this. 